The witch's cackle burns the eye that sees the danger you are in. Sometimes we're wrong, but we want to prove that we are right, so we begin. Watch out, there's a sword and it's coming for your neck. In this battle for salvation, in this battle salvation uh, hello everybody welcome to the battle for salvation warhammer underworlds podcast i am max bernstein i'm randall slate and with us today hailing all the way from calgary alberta canada is derek captain murder truckware how do you say your last name that, that's exactly right. Good job, guys. Hi, everybody. I said it right. Oh, good. Um, so that was that was one can opening so far. Mm-hmm. Bing. Okay. Bing. Okay, we got one. All right, cool. So hi, everybody. Um, sorry we haven't been on in a while. We've been doing stuff. I, I would like everybody to know that uh, I have gotten a completely new rig right now, new computer, New headphones. Everything works. The BM guys can just suck it at this point. Mm. Um, I would also like to mention that there is a small possibility that this episode will be NSFW just because Derek's here and we're all kind of getting in that mood. Right. So uh, that's where this is going at this point. We're going to try not to, but we're also going to probably. So just if you have small children, you might want to screen this episode first. Just saying. It might work out. We'll see what happens. It's all going to be okay. Yeah. Um, All right. Anyway, going forwards, we have uh, some tournaments coming up in the New York Tri-State area. Uh, We have the Stamford GW store. I actually got in contact with them, and I'm like, hey, you're a new guy doing this place. Um, Why haven't you done anything for Underworlds? And he's like, I don't know. Maybe let's try it. So I said, okay, let's do it. And so that's going to be on Sunday, October 28th. And that is in Stamford, Connecticut. And I'm planning on being there. Uh, we then also have the Rift again um, in Peekskill. We had a great tournament there earlier this month. And we're going to do another one there on November 3rd, uh, 12 p.m. I will be TOing that one. And uh, I'll talk about my, um, my experience at the last one in a little while. Um, also we want to make sure that everybody knows about the SoCal open. We've talked about it before. That's going to be at the Del Mar fairgrounds in California, um, October 26th and 27th. That's a big one. It is a grand clash. It is beast grave season. Um, you should check that out. I think you get tickets at frontlinegaming.com. Am I right about that? Yes. I don't know. I I feel like I heard that before and I'm just saying it again. And uh, speaking of grand clashes, we do want to say congrats to Amon uh, Kusro of the path to glory uh, podcast for winning the the grand clash down in grapevine, Texas recently. Um, That was a night bolt season one, I think. Um, But I know that that means a lot to him and we want to just congratulate him. All right. Wait, wait, hold up. Hold up. We have one more. Anything uh, else? That wasn't, we have one more that I just realized isn't in the notes. It is, uh, is it? Warzone Atlanta. Ooh. Uh, Warzone Atlanta is going to have a Warzone Underworlds tournament uh, along with uh, 40K. And that is going to be Friday, November 8th at cool. 6 p.m. Oh, Warzone, I think my Warzone I, Atlanta. 
I think my Vassal League uh, opponent this week, Matt Martin, mm-hmm. uh, will probably be there. And also, he has a new uh, podcast called Crit Defense, and you guys should look that one up. It's pretty right. good. Um, we so got a Facebook message from him, up. and I forgot to look at it, and then I just remembered. <laughs> and uh, good thing I caught it in time. So if you're down in Atlanta. So if you're down down south, or if you just like to travel, there's another one to do. Do, do you remember what uh, date it was? Uh, November eighth. There Friday. you go. Sounds good. Um, and uh, you know we might as well throw in uh, the boys are also having one, right? The boys. That's up in Rochester, I somewhere near Rochester, Henrietta. That is, let me let New me York. Look that up. Like that. I don't know. If you guys look it up, you can find it. I'm just that one's off the top of the head. We didn't write that one on the notes either. The boys GT sure. is the same weekend. Yes. November oh, it's 8th same weekend, the November eighth. There you go. Okay. Cool. All right, so that's everything that we got going on so far as we know. Um, and Derek, what's up, man? Hey, I'm doing really good. How are you guys? Thanks for joining us. Um, we've we've been texting back and forth, you and I, for a little over a year now. And we thought it was time to, to, to get you on. Um, and let's do that. So we, we usually start when we have guests. We start with some biography questions. Um, can you just tell us first, like, how did you get into this game? So I, I've actually played Warhammer 40k. Uh, I'm a big fan of Blood Bowl and sort of all the ancillary games uh, off and on since high school. Uh, when Shadespire came out, at about the same time, I was getting a lot of burnout for the bigger army games. Uh, I was finding I just did not have it in me to sit through a, a two and a half, three hour game or even paint a, a full army. And so I, I was transitioning uh, first to Blood Bowl, but then again, you're still there for two and a half hours for a game. So then Shadespire comes out and it's got, uh, you know, all the models that I like. Uh, it gave me a lot of really nice painting projects. Uh, so painting a warband that, you know, I'd never probably paint a skeleton or, or a tree thing or a troll otherwise. Uh, and so between that and Blood Bowl Sevens, uh, those are the only two games that I play now. Cool. I mean, like, I, I'm totally with you on that. I, I can't imagine not, not coming from a Warhammer background. I can't imagine doing like a 40 K project like that to me just seems like way too much. So I, I also really appreciate that the, the war bands are small and varied. I get to try a lot of different things. Um, so I, I'm with you on that. Um, plus I also am with you on the idea of like not wanting to play a single game for three hours because you can still play like a game in 30 minutes and then another 30 minutes, and another 30 minutes. Like you can still play like five games in three hours if you wanted to. It's just, I think it's easier to, when it, when you can subdivide it into smaller things. Uh, so I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, and, and actually, yeah. sorry, just to, uh, add to that, the fact that this game is so dynamic, uh, I, I want to say even games that you win by uh, six, seven, eight glory, they still come down to the third round. Uh, games Workshop has done an immaculate job of uh, keeping both teams in the fight uh, for the entirety of the game. Whereas with uh, AOS and especially with 40K, at least when I left, uh, there was very much a sense of come the first turn, uh, you could easily slide downhill and have no chance to right. to be competitive, but you're stuck there for another two hours. Exactly. Randall confirmed. Uh, yeah, 40k is awesome, though. 
<laughs> right. But 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 that situation can arise. Sure. Okay. Um, and I agree. Um, so there we go. Okay, cool. So uh, where do you play and what's the scene like? I know you're up in, Ca- in Calgary, but go ahead. That's right. So uh, Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and uh, for for everybody else in in Canada who does listen to your podcast, all, all two, three of them, maybe. Uh, you know oh. they. Sorry, excuse me. Hey, I can uh, hold it. I can I actually look this me. up. Hold on a second. I'm going to look this up. You know what? I, I'm no, going to tell ahead. you right say now. Say what you're going to say, but I'm working on this. No, okay. for sure. I, I'm going to tell you right now. I I know probably about thirty or forty people personally that uh yeah. hang on your every word so i you, you guys should be pretty proud of your following up fuck? here that's a that's a mistake right there that, my every word what the fuck do i know that being said uh you know we i i want to say we have one of the best scenes that i i could ever ask for and because i travel quite a bit for work uh you know i i get the opportunity to see uh, a lot of people in this uh in this hobby and in this community uh so for in in calgary we've got our local games workshop store which is excellent uh and and makes a point of having their uh warhammer underworlds night and then we have uh three independent stores the sentry box the imaginary wars and the ogre's den uh all three of them have really gone out of their way with dedicated staff and people to support the hobby uh, now I, I am truly lucky to have probably the best team I could ever ask for, uh, the Calgary Union of Night Vault Tier One Shadespire Homies, and uh, oh. you know they they have definitely uh, I, I I would like to say that we have upped uh, all of our games, but uh, you know they're they're probably the greatest group of bros I could ask for on this board. Cool, um, th- that's great that you have that. That's amazing. Um, I I just. Sorry, I was only half listening because I was trying to figure out what our Canadian statistics are. Are you ready? Lifetime over the over the lifetime of this podcast, we have had uh, downloads in it looks like uh, all the territories except for maybe three or four. Like nobody in the Yukon has ever done it, but we have uh, 101 British Columbia, 159 in Alberta. Two from Saskatchewan. We got to get into. We Saskatchewan. found the two. What's, what's I, in Saskatchewan? Is that, I is that tell Regina? you who those two people are? Actually, yes, you know Regina okay. is in Saskatchewan. <laughs> okay, so we got two Reginas downloading us in Saskatchewan. Okay, Reginians. Reginians. Okay, we have two from uh, the Northwest Territories for some reason. Like they're up in what is that? What is that? Yellowknife or something? What's the yeah, name? Yeah, those, those are actually two Mounties that are stationed up there. And they play Warhammer Underworlds instead of committing seppuku. You made all that up. I made every bit of that up. Okay, good, good. That was pretty good. You said that very straight. Uh, however, the uh, the winner for most downloads by a province of Canada is Ontario with uh, 315. They're beating you by almost a two-to-one margin there, buddy. Let's go. You know, yeah. there, there's about four times the people in Ontario. So, uh, and and yeah, by the way, yeah. the Canadian crits are there who, uh, you know, uh, I'd love to do a little bit of trash talk and say, hey, we're we're better in Western Canada at Shadespire and everything else. So, uh, I think you have a minute. Go ahead. Yeah. You well, know, I want to hear what, wait, hold on. But first, I want to hear what Canadian trash talk sounds like. It's probably really <laughs> polite. Hey, uh, I, I think that you are 
one of the greatest groups of people out there, Canadian crits. I would love to play Ooh. you and then oh, improve my skills oh. after we have had a sharp and hard Shot game fired. with the better player oh, winning. Got to end this Woo. man's whole career right here. Holy <laughs> crap. Yo, you just laid into them. I can't believe it. I'm going to have to edit right. that one out. Yeah, I don't even know if we can get that past the censors. NSFW yeah. uh, right there. Yeah. 87 people in Quebec. J'aime Quebec. Merci beaucoup. J'aime le... J'aime Montréal. That's all I got. Um, let's see. 20 people in New Brunswick. Uh, 27 in like Newfoundland and Labrador. And 32 Nova Scotians. Dig it. Nobody in Manitoba. Really? Nope. Zero. Nothing. Blank. Well, maybe now that we have a Canadian guest, we'll get more yeah. of a drop. Come on, guys, get in there. What's going on? All right. Anyway, uh, we'll leave it at that. I'm gonna I'm gonna X out of this right now. Okay, cool. Um, so that's great. Um, what is your favorite Underworlds faction to play all time? I I'm such a big fan of Megor's Fiends. Uh yep. to the degree if uh anyone has seen the well of power website uh that jonathan davies uh davis davies it's jonathan davis like the guy from corn but he doesn't look anything like him okay like uh him. yeah that, that, that's what i figured no um and so i've been uh working with him uh my current deck lists are actually called make aggro great again uh, mostly because it, it makes me sad that uh, just the pure aggro isn't quite there anymore. And uh, mm -hmm. it's it's very much my, uh, say, say guilty Underworld's pleasure, which it, it sounds horribly nerdy when you, when you say it like that. But uh, no, mm -hmm. I, I do enjoy uh, rocking the Magors. All right. Well, I, I mean, like, I, I spent an entire season with them. In the Night Vault season, we did see Magor's Fiends pop up a lot in top eight, top six. Uh, yeah, win, they were kind of one of the uh, clashes, I don't think, but they were one of the season one war bands that were still pretty competitive. I think, along with uh, like Skaven, especially at the end of that season. Mm -hmm. And we'll see they, if they can do anything in the the next season. They really mm -hmm. were, and at uh, LVO last year, uh, I did play Magor's. It was probably right at when they were they were the top uh out there uh i i was really happy to have finished fifth at at lvo uh i lost to tony field who is a very excellent player uh yep. and it annoyed me because i had uh tony was playing a defensive curse breakers team and i purposely built my fiends in order to handle that assuming that i would come up against it uh he beat me through sheer talent uh, so I, I want to give every bit of credit where every, where it's due. Uh, and then he lost in the finals of LVO to uh, Magor's team that wasn't geared towards taking him down. Hmm. Uh, what's more than that, so uh, again, I finished fifth on that one, uh, so I wasn't the best Magor's that day. And Justin Langenham, who runs Battle Mallet out of Victoria, Canada, uh, he... Uh, Battlecast. Battlecast, thank you. I'm, yes. I'm sorry. Battlecast is Gerard and Jason. That's right. He yeah. he won fourth with his monologue at that day. So I wasn't the best Magors and I wasn't the best Canadian. 
I, I oh well I, I based my my later Magors on uh my my later Molog on Justin's because it was so good. Um yeah, I mean, yeah, those guys are great. Um Tony Field I can attest to also because I played him on Vassal twice and he he always gives me a good game. It's always tough to play against him. I mean, I beat him both times, but but he made it tough. He made it tough. Um so uh next question, how much glass do you have? Uh very little. Uh I I think I only have one or two uh, shade. No, I've got three now. I've got three shade glass trophies. Uh, I haven't won a grand class yet. Uh, they would be well, Magor's. Uh, it would be, oh, yeah, with a Molog. And then uh, just recently, I got one with uh, the spoilers. Right, which we're going to talk about momentarily. Please. And uh, best finish at a Grand Clash. The fifth place at LVO is actually not your best, is it? No, it's not. Uh, you know, that cheating crook uh, who, you know, is is probably one of the best players in the world. You, you might know him as uh, John Wayne Reese. Uh, yeah. I... I was very lucky to get to go to Tabletop Scotland uh, because I happened to be there for a little bit of work and a little bit of rugby and decided that it was worth it to go up there. Uh, it was really cool because the organizers there, uh, Dave and Simon and John, uh, were members of the Perthshire Sharks rugby team. So when I, I threw up a flag saying that I want to go there, they said, yeah, make sure that you come here. We'll even have a jersey for you. And when I walked through the door, they presented me with their jersey, which I thought was really cool. Uh, but, uh, and and understand when, when I show up to these, uh, I usually outdrink the rest of the tournament, and this was no exception. And I was punching Thanks above my know. weight that day. Uh, there, there were a lot of intensely good players i had a lot of close games uh ended up in the final with john and you know what he he got me on it and i kid you not uh i you know he that that boy haunts me he'd better be coming over uh for for the grand masters uh for nova next year or for some american grand clashes because boy he owes me a rematch i i oh, tell boy. you what what were you playing on that day? Uh, that that I was actually doing defensive curse breakers. Uh, yeah. I can't join him. Yeah. Well, no, and and you know what? Uh, come when Night Vault had finished off, and especially after Power Unbound, I really felt that Magic was the way to go. So I I did a a very Magic heavy uh, team. And it was designed to snipe as much damage as possible. Uh, I think that, and maybe it's just the meta that's in uh, in Great Britain, or you know, maybe John's really good, even though he's very accomplished, and I don't think he's as good as me at anything. But yeah, okay. you know, <laughs> again, but, can Canadian trash talk. Pretty good. Absolutely. Okay, keep going. No, and you know it's what? Like, hey, hey, mate, I just don't think you're as good as me. <laughs> like that's, that's Canadian trash talk. That's it. No, but you know what? He he played some solid gains, uh, and uh, he he got her done. And that was with the surround you mm -hmm. thorns deck. The oh, surround that that, one yeah. guy and score everything. Well, and actually, the uh, it was funny about it because it was that deck. 
Uh, because I had the magic that was able to sort of slice through and not need to roll as many attack rolls, uh, I think I was doing better at it than a lot of other people on the day. That being said, uh, he was running uh, Maddening Cackle, which caught my Stormsire twice uh, mm-hmm. in our games. And so for for both games, Stormsire spent more than half of it uninspired. Love Maddening Cackle. Yeah, oh. playing thorns. I think that's an auto include. You know, and and it's funny. You never know when you're going to run into a Molog or something like that. It's or a Curse Breakers or a Yulthari. It's just good against oh. everybody. Yeah, it it really good. It really is. And and you know what's funny? John actually sends me uh, audio messages through Facebook uh, of him just laughing just to make sure <laughs> I know what that cackle sounds like. Yes, that's that's pretty good. I like. That. <laughs> Okay, that is some that is some epic trolling. I like it. Who, who else did you did you see while you were over there? Uh, you know what, right? Michael Carlin was there. Yeah. Uh, and here's what's funny. So uh, actually, you know what, I need to give some credit where credits due. Um, I did not recognize him or, or know him, even though I had been reading uh, Steel City blog. And uh, what was funny was that I thought he was from Pittsburgh. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's right. Yeah, and so apparently Sheffield is the British Pittsburgh, or or Pittsburgh is the American Sheffield, however you want to say it. No, Sheffield is the knockoff. Yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with Sheffield. Yeah. Is the knockoff Pittsburgh? Isn't Pittsburgh. Sheffield like one thousand years gonna... older than Pittsburgh? That's semantics. Semantics. Yeah, but steel came out at the same time. I mean, America was around when steel was a thing. So, yeah, it wasn't always the steel city. I, I'm going with Pittsburgh because I want to get the Pittsburgh people like up. I've been trying to get them to like put together some stuff. It seemed like the. I don't know. I'm just trying to get Pittsburgh. I'm trying to give Pittsburgh a, a jump over here. Sheffield's doing fine. Like they'll yeah. be all right. They got a so, they got a robust scene right there. <laughs> so I'm giving it to Pittsburgh. Let's go. All right. Anyway. Cool. But um, anyway, so sorry cool. uh, to to finish this uh, anecdote here. So uh, Michael's hanging out during the the final, and we're chatting, and I realize who he is and the blog that he runs. And I, I have to give absolute credit where credit's due. One of his writers, uh, her name is Freya, had actually done uh, the same idea that I had at a Grand Clash. Uh, and I had adopted a lot from the blog, adding it to what I was working on. Um, what I found out after the fact, uh, some, uh, some of the Calgary guys uh, th- were... We're on Discord, keeping sort of tracking my progress because you know if if I'm not uh, playing the game, I'm gonna have a beer in my hand, so I'm not you know typing to anyone. Well, so Michael posts on there, hey, this guy reads my blog, and between Tony Field and a couple guys in Calgary and uh, a few other people, I, I realized on Discord that uh, I, I had a pretty good cheering section trying to trying to get me over the top against John. You know what? I, I felt your love. Uh, so I, I, I just I, want to say hi to the internet there. 
but uh, yeah, I was in Italy at the time, by the way, and I was also like following and, and, <laughs> and checking for you and Carl and be like how you guys are doing. J- John Reese, I'm, I'm not going to follow him because I know he's going to like win everything, so I don't have to follow him. He's fine. But like, but you two guys, I was like, oh yeah, good. Oh no, Carl lost. Oh, Derek's in the finals. Ah. Okay, so I was watching you too. Max is just this. The ghost of Max is just at every Big Shades Fire event. I really. I remember I when I was at Adepticon. Watch. Yeah, yeah, when I was at Adepticon, you kept texting me. You were like, "You're on table 15, dude. Are you? Are, who are you playing against?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I was yeah, like, "I remember that one." I'm like, "Oh, okay. All right. Well, I guess I don't." Have I to remember check like that. picking up my kid because it was like on a Friday or something like that, right? I remember picking him up and go, and before I walked in, I like checked to see, "Oh, yo, you're on table 15." Yeah. yeah. No, that was like a big deal for me. I only get to go to one a year, so it's like I have to live vicariously through the rest of you. Right. All right, anyway. so you guys want to talk about some news? Yeah, but we have a lot of news. To All talk right, about. a lot of news. But first, I want to talk. We want to talk about the uh, the Q1 kit for the Beast Grave season. It's finally here. Um, it's finally here. It was spoiled. Uh, we have a picture of it, and that's pretty great. And so let's talk about that. Um, Randall, you want to do this? Yeah. the The interesting thing was that the Warhammer community posted a article, um, of the with a picture of the. The Q1 kit. With the spread, yeah. Yeah, as, as well as the uh, new rules, which we'll be going over soon. But then we got a uh, Facebook post on the community group of a game store in Singapore. Uh, shout out to Game State Singapore, who received... Apparently there are different kits now. There are There is what they call a skirmish kit, uh, the Grand Clash <laughs> kit, and then just the standard OP kit, which we've which we've seen before and they posted yeah. pictures of that. So uh, just going over what's in the standard um, Q1 kit, there is uh, the, the trophy. It's the same trophy. However, it doesn't have a year on it and it says champion of beast grave. So it doesn't have the, and that's from the original post. Yeah. Correct. Right. So if you want to see that, you have to go to the, the original GW post to uh-huh. see that. Well, no, it's on the, the, the Singapore one too. Anyway, uh, no, we is. have acrylic tokens. We have acrylic move and guard tokens. Um, again, which is and they look kind of more similar to the the standard ones that come in the but they're not the the green color, which is nice because those were kind of wacky looking and tough to see. Yeah, and you had to like color them in with a crayon or whatever. Yeah, yeah. and then we have more alternate art cards for despoilers and wild hunt. So now you're going to have three sets of the spoiler wild hunt cards you're gonna have the regular ones the alternate art ones and the foil ones if you bought beast grave the weekend it came out or whatever i got them and then uh we have some alternate art cards and we can see a couple of them in the picture we have segat's salvo which is a pretty popular card uh burst of speed if you play Molog, you play burst of speed i guess then we have uh snare uh yeah probably and or is that pit trap? Yeah. Um, it has, it's, it's, it's it's basically pit trap, but you have to do it. It has to be a hunter, right? Right. But I'm saying so the card you would the, use it for like doing the yeah the card, oh oh the, the other cards the that are is, in there. Um, it's, it's um it's snare. It's yeah, snare. Predatory. Uh, it's salvo. Burst speed. Predatory. Predatory instincts. instincts. Yeah, and then and um. Go ahead. We figured out from the flavor text on one of the ones that was covered that that's probably Fizzle. Oh, right. Which is kind of a dumpy card, but yeah. okay. And uh, um, 
Second salvo, burst of speed, and right. snare are going to be nice ones. And then if you go yeah. to the other pictures, uh, I'm not sure if. Oh, oh yeah. If we go to the picture from the Singapore, page, we see yeah. we see we uh, Spirit Bond. Yep, is one of them, which is popular restricted card. I love that card. Yep. And we also have Keen Avarice, which I is what that uh, does. Not that great a card. Yeah. Because I think that your opponent has to be holding an objective in order to use it. It's like you add, it's a, if you have a range one or two attack of a friendly fighter in the next activation, you get plus one dice and cleave, but only provided that they're standing on an objective. Mm. So, um, I mean, there's going to be a lot more of that, I think, going on in the new season because there's a lot more um, uh, objective cards that talk about standing on things. So you might see this get used more. Um, yep. But, I mean, we'll see how it goes. I think it's situational, but I think the situation is going to rise more now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. That's a card that anyway, might we might see and then, uh, rise. And we have yep. uh, the 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 best painted award with the little golden demon on it. That is uh, an alternate of denial. And we even yep. see part of a new card, which we haven't, which hasn't come out yet, called the Amber Bone Hammer. Yeah, I and think we should call it the Armin Hammer. The Armin Hammer. <laughs> so the amber bone like, hammer well you can get you guys it's a bone right so you yeah. can swing hammer i know how much you love the bone backs yeah i love i love these bone things but the other thing is at the bottom wait a minute the other thing is at the bottom of this um you can't see what the extra thing is at the bottom we see that it's a one range two hammer two damage attack upgrade um, I would assume that it has the same kind of thing where if you kill something with it, you get like a face down glory or something like that. Yep. Um, because that's what it was with the axe. So mm -hmm. it's probably something like that. Because, yes. um, you know, shade, shade glass has always been, you know, in the first season, it was like you would get like an extra thing on a crit. And, and it, it would break. Here, yeah. and it would break. And then the null stone stuff was all had the same theme. Like you'd get rerolls if you're against a wizard. And um, looking at the axe, the, uh, the, which has already been um, released, that one is like you get a face down glory if you kill something with it, like an extra. Yeah. So uh, I would imagine that the Amberbone Hammer, that's, it says something about getting an extra glory for using it, which makes me think that these, you know, these upgrades, these Amberbone upgrades are going to be much more popular than Nullstone was or Shade Glass was because I think right. that there's more of a payoff for using it. Yeah, they're kind of not, they don't punch as hard as the... The other weapons, though, yeah, those didn't really either. Those were well, you yeah, know, the like the other one, you at least had rerolls, and then the one was if you got yeah. a crit, it did more damage. These yeah. ones just kind of they don't have any sort of bonus effect so far, um, right? But they do give you that glory when you when you kill someone with it. So, yeah, I think that that's good. a little tastier. Yeah, but yeah, getting more glory than is built into your deck is always something people are looking for. Absolutely. All right, so that's the quarter kit yeah um let's that's the first quarter kit let's see what else we got now so there are two other ones which one do you want to do first the uh well yeah let's talk about the the skirmish kit the one that's that we the... think is the skirmish kit now we actually don't know which is the skirmish kit and which is the grand clash kit so we're right. just kind of guessing here but we're assuming just based on the payout that the grand clash kit should have more stuff in it so this is the one that has like a medium amount of stuff and so we think that this is the grand you think this is the, the dice bag one right the dice bag one. Yeah, yeah. So the one. So we have uh, dice bags. I guess we're not having deck boxes anymore. Um, 
So we have well, they these. Sell, they sell deck boxes separately. Yeah, so yeah, they're, they're not, not in the in the prize kit anymore. Right. But um, we do have uh these 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 they actually look pretty nice. They're like um, kind of like I don't a know what you call it, velvet. Orange? Yeah. 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 Velvet. Uh, yellow, yellow, orange. With, um, they uh, they like remind me a lot of the ones it. that came out when you if you bought Night Vault early, they gave you like uh, a separate dice pack and uh, a blue velvet yes. dice bag that kind of looks almost exactly like this. Yeah, so I bet they are exactly the same, orange. except a different color. Yeah. yeah. So that's nice. I like that. Um, yep. And then we also have some looks like some different new cards in here. There's a uh, an alternate art for Madness Dart. Madness Dart. Which is a new is that card that people are that? experimenting with. Oh, yeah, it's uh, the one that has like poison on it or something no, like no, that. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a poison type card, which we haven't seen before, and it makes it so um your opponent only hits you on swords. Uh-huh. So choose an enemy fighter. I'm trying to read this blurry writing. Choose an enemy fighter adjacent to one or more friendly fighters. The chosen fighter's attack actions have the the, the fury characteristic. Yeah. Uh, instead of the printed characteristic, the effect persists until the chosen fighter is taken out of action. Right. Right. Derek, did you want to jump in here? Because I have an issue here. Uh, what is your issue? My issue is what if you do this against somebody who has magic attacks? Oh, uh, you know what? I, I realize that uh, Amon stated his opinion on it. From what I've seen, it appears that a spell attack is still an attack action, and it says so in the rule book. Amon knows a lot more than me, though. So I will take his interpretation of it uh, until we see an so FAQ. What did, you, what did he say? I, I'm saying I think it means that if you if you're a wizard and you get hit with the madness start, you don't know how to cast no spells because you're I'm mad, thinking. you're if crazy you have, now. Well, right, and you don't have furies on your dice, but you, there you have go. crits. You have crits. Yeah, that's true. I I would like it noted. It's uh, for anyone that's ever read a Doctor Strange comic you know that in order to cast a spell, you need practice practice and expertise in order to do so. And if you're getting hit with a mana start, it's not going to happen. So this is not a game functioning game mechanic reason. This is a purely thematic with Marvel Universe reason. Yeah. Is yeah I, there, saw, I saw Harry Potter. Is there yeah. any other reason that should trump everything else? Uh no, I guess not. I mean, Bellatrix Lestrange was also kind of mad, but she could she could throw spells. Yes. Well, I think uh, apparently. apparently in the new Beastgrave rulebook, they've made uh, spell attacks and attacks uh, separate. So I don't think this works the way everyone wants it to, where it screws over Curse Breakers. But it is a, still mm -hmm. uh, a decent Real card sorry. that people are experimenting with. Yeah, well, I guess we'll see how it comes out. Um, let's see. Another one is uh, Spike, which I don't remember, but apparently is in the Echoes of Glory pack. No, not the Echoes of Glory, the Power Unbound pack. Right. Which I never saw no this one. No idea what that does. Well, it's, uh, it's, if you, I do know. If, yeah, yeah so, I think it goes in a Molog deck. Yeah, it's a score immediate if you do five damage 
in a round to someone to another fighter that goes out. Uh, this is Even almost an auto shot. include. That's right. Uh, this is almost an auto include in your Molog uh, Molog teams. I have used it in my Magors because often I would do two damage and then three more. Three. The big yeah. thing about Spike is that it does include over damage. Right. Mm. So if you do seven, so if you're playing with massive assault or something like that, it probably fits in really nicely. Sure. Yeah. So well, we got a new new oh, art for that. Anymore? Is that is that a Shadespire era? That Shadespire era. You can't Massive so, yeah. assault is Shadespire. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Shadespire. Okay. And we so have a different it. painting award card in this one. This one is great strength. Yep. And, and man. Yeah. We need. We all needed more copies of great strength. Has been shooting the juice. Look at the look at the golden demon right yeah, there. He's got solid gains right Ooh. there. Ooh, solid gains. And then we see acrylic glory tokens and new dice. They're like they oh, man. they are orange dice. They look You're... very similar to the Fire Slayer dice, but kind of like a they look like more a reddish orange. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, like I don't know. Corn. These look a little wacky to me. Yeah, they look like candy corn. That's right. It looks like bag. Well, of candy the orange corn. of the candy corn. The orange. Right. Part. No, even the white, even the white and the black, they look like candy corn. There's black they look like candy. candy. Corn. I'm gonna have to like. I'm no seriously. I'm if I ever win these, like I'm gonna have to be like slapping them out of my kid's mouth because he's like candy. Yay! No fucking don't. Yeah. Ow. Right. How often do you slap your kid on the regular Max? Um, <laughs> not as much as he deserves, but enough to keep me out of trouble. Not sorry, not as much as he deserves, and not as much not <laughs> not enough to get me into trouble. Let's put it that way. Nice. That was probably the best answer there to that go. question. All right, moving on. I was trying to be very diplomatic. Okay, and uh, now for the piece de resistance, though, let's let let's leave beating my child out of it, and let's move on. Let's mm -hmm. talk about what we what we're pretty sure is a grand clash prize kit. Yeah, what we a lot have of stuff here. in here. Oh man. So we have the standard. We have the dice. We have the cards. We Same have dice. the the glory tokens. Looks like a lot more of them. Same glory tokens. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have the, what I assume are lethal hex tokens. Like really those nice tokens. feature tokens. Because th that looks like the back of the ones that have the objectives on them. It doesn't look like a lethal. The lethals have more of a, they don't have like teeth in it. That's right. the, that's like the feature tokens. Yeah. They have the, the lethals have like vines on them or, or tentacles or whatever. Yeah. I wonder if you can flip these or if they're just lethal tokens. They might be a whole set of five objectives. We don't know. They might be. It, it, um, you know what? Actually, take a look at that. It look. It looks like you might have. I don't know. It might be just one, or it might be an all fiver. That would be interesting. I would. That'd be great if there was all five. Yeah, I would assume they would just give you two and say, "Here, here's your lethals or whatever." I don't know. Yeah. The other thing is, there does not seem to be a lot of them, so right. that might be like a top eight or perhaps a top four prize payout. Yeah, maybe. We have some different cards in here too. Yes, uh, including we have, what? Whatever the hell this thing is. This is this is also one that hasn't been right. Uh, we have blessing uh, of vitrix. Well, let's start with the other one first. Yeah, we have blessing of vitrix, which is a card sure. that has um, been popping up recently in Cursebreaker and maybe Eyes of the Nine mm -hmm. decks because it gives you that innate. I've seen channel. it in Eyes of the Nine deck. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we have Caltrops. Which is a card that I haven't seen anyone use yet. That's fairly new, so um, might see that. We have a that's from the uh, that's from the core set, right? 
And then we have a Golden Demon best painted card for a sidestep, which is cool because yep. I don't think we have a... Oh, no, we do have a promo for a sidestep. It's an old one. And then we yeah, have I a new card. We'll use this one too. Yeah, we have a new card, which we, we haven't hasn't we haven't seen this one before. I can't really read it. It says Spine Toad Tower? Spine Toad Toxin. It's another poison toxin? card. Oh, okay. Yeah, but um, I can't... We can't it's, read that. It's hard yeah. to read, yeah. So another poison. So these are like non... So uh, usually it's um, spells have the persisting effect like that. Yeah, there these are, are ploys that do. Yeah, uh, there are a couple, but now we have more. We have these uh, poisons that put a persisting effect on a guy. And it's not a spell. It's just a ploy. So Looks pretty bottom. good. Yeah. Um, just the, the payout. And then we also have these things. Yeah, we, we have... These two hickeys over here. Right. So Games Workshop has made these before. These are kind of like uh, command point counters that they have for 40k kill team. They're like these uh, cardboard uh, dials. They look kind of like the... If you've ever played a game made by Fantasy Flight Games, they have these little dials that you put together. Um, oh, yeah. And they right, made right, them before right. for tracking command points and victory points in 40k kill team uh, Age of Sigmar. So now they're making them here in underworlds and it's kind of hard to make out exactly how they work but i assume um that they actually have three dials on them right and i'm assuming that the left and right ones are for tracking your and your opponent's glory and then the middle one is tracking the the round the round number right one, two, three. It, 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 it seems a lot like this new app that i've seen called uh underworld's helper um which is, uh, if you guys want to check it out, it's it's an app. You can get it, and you you put it up on your phone, and uh, you say you know how many players there are, and then it has like all the stuff that you would need for you and your opponent, like glory counters and activation tokens. You can press, and it's like on your phone. You just put the phone between you and your opponent. This looks like it does the same thing, and also it looks like there's a good thirty-two or sixty-four of them in there. So that seems like if you just go to a grand yeah, class right. and do moderately well, you get one. Yeah, it seems like if you yeah if you get to the top sixteen, it looks like you get one. There's a lot At of least, them. Yeah, there's more but, yeah. more of those than the there's more than sixteen uh, feature yeah. tokens. Yeah, more than the feature tokens, more than the dice. Yeah, um, the glory tokens might be like a top sixteen thing now. It looks it seems like there's a lot of packs. Yeah, they give you a lot of them in the little baggie there. Yeah, it's cool. Looks good. Um, so, so yeah, this is pretty cool. The... I'd like to see, you know, I, I I'd like to see, you know, make, maybe they make the the skirmish kit um, a little cheaper for stores to get, like maybe like fifty to seventy dollars instead of the full hundred or whatever the the OP kit is with the with the trophy, and just have stores be able to run, you know, monthly uh, tournaments using this smaller kit uh, for prizes rather than getting the the whole the whole shebang. Every well, time. Derek, you were talking about what you thought they were going to use it for. Uh, honestly, I'm not sure at this point. Uh, I've looked at it a few times, and I really don't know anymore. Well, you were saying that it okay. might be for um, sort of Why like did I throw to you then? Come yeah. on. Yeah, I know. Sorry, guys. We were, you were saying <laughs> we were before that thought that these recorded. Come on, guys. were going to be I'll for like the exhibition tournaments they, they run at grand clashes for the people who didn't make the yeah no so so this is this is what what i think and uh 
just so everybody knows, this is uh, completely Derek Tinfoil hat conspiracy theory type stuff. Uh, what I suspect is that because Grand Clashes are now two days, uh, anyone who doesn't make the top eight cut is invited to the skirmish. The skirmish will have its own prize pack so that it still encourages everybody to stay there for that extra day play you know maybe a different war band or at least try for uh some some extra loot uh one of the things that that i do want to want to point out and if uh frontline gaming specifically uh pablo who by the way organized the las vegas open last year and did a great job of it and i assume is probably in charge of this year because he's an awesome dude and he's a great guy and you know i i would appreciate if he got back to me to confirm this hint hint uh but if uh at lvo they are having their swiss rounds on the friday they are having their skirmish on the saturday and they're having their grand class championship on the sunday so Again, this is what I think it is. We'll see if it happens. All right. That's a very educated guess. I think so too. I think. Oh, oh, how many is that? That's number two. Two? Uh, I think that's number three. three? Okay. All right. So Derek, we've wrapped three? up uh, the, the quarter kit. Yeah, I think so. Oh, and um, just like little side note, speaking of Grand Clash payouts, GW. Did you not get What's your dice yet? I have no, no. Well, I would, I didn't get dice because I didn't get top four. I got oh. top eight. I'm waiting for my glory, and I just got one thing to say: that you better have my glory. Yeah. Pay well, me what you owe me. Yeah. You know if uh, don't act like you forgot. Yeah. <laughs> can Can I actually ask you a question? Because so my top four dice from Tabletop Scotland were missing one of the defense dice. I got what? the five uh, attack dice. Two defense dice and three spell dice. That's just a crying shame. Is, is there is there someone that we should go after or call out a hit on? Defense for Gallinghand when you have what is that card? The great uh, yeah. What is it? The strong stance or whatever it is. How are you supposed to roll for that? Yeah, GW. You're gonna, you're gonna pick up a pick up a stock die like a heathen. Yeah. Your top shelf, Derek. Champ. Don't stand for that. Almost. No champ. one has ever called me top shelf before. You almost champ. What's that? I I, I tr avoided calling you top shelf earlier. Um, as far as your looks, but when it comes to like your as a player, I think you are top shelf. Mm. All right, you guys want to talk about uh, the new abandoned restrictions? <laughs> that, no, that was the worst segue. Just just oof. This oh, is the most uh, professional podcast I've ever been on. Mm -hmm. How many have you been? On? <laughs> This is my first right, podcast that I've yeah, ever right, been on. Okay. okay, so now we got to talk about the different formats. We can, yeah, right. we got to do it. Let's go. Championship format. All right, they they've really just put a million things out between now and our last episode, and we're just trying to trying to get it out there. All right, so let's talk about all these things. Let's see. We have three formats that were hinted at before, and now they're they're they have official we, rules. Yeah, we see like the PDF of the rules. Uh, let's talk about champion format. Um, so first of all, this is the same thing that they said before. It's uh, season two, season three only. And um, season one has been rotated out with the exception of the faction cards. All war bands are still allowed. Um, they have reduced the restricted cards 
from five to three, yeah, which is interesting. And actually, I kind of like that. It's, it's good, yeah, because they took you know half the restricted list off the off the table when anyway, and, I, and they yeah, and I've noticed everything. And I've noticed since Beast Grave dropped, when I remember I'm trying to like make a deck, I'm like, oh, I only have like three or four restricted cards. Right. Hmm. You're like, hmm, right. Maybe so I should go back. I'm not really missing it. I'm not really missing it. And if they've done a better job writing card text, which I assume they have because that's now their third time through the cycle, um, maybe they won't have to restrict as many cards this time around. I hope and so. And so three will be fine. Yeah. Uh, and, and even if there are more, like if you you know if there if there are more that have to be restricted for whatever reason, um, having three really varies up what deck building is going to be like. So I feel like we're going to see a lot of more varied stuff. Yeah. Um, even within the same faction, like there might be different versions of different of certain factions where people are specifically partic- uh, picking different restricted uh, trios. Definitely. Okay. Well, I wanted we to have, point uh, out that we do have confirmation that we you can have no more than six surge objectives uh, can be included oh, yeah. in any and, player's and objectives. Score immediately. Actually. It says in the thing that score immediately from season two and see and season one for that matter uh-huh. is the same as surge. It's right. the same thing. So stop posting that. Yeah. All right. Um, next, fired up and archers focus are off the restricted list. Yeah. All right. That certainly helped my deck out because you know I had. Uh, well, we're gonna get to it. We have we have upper hand was banned, so all I had to do was take out yeah, upper hand fine. and then burst and then uh, fired up was. So I, I ended up uh, not having to change much. But anyway, and, and you know what's funny, hand. Randall? Uh, it was the same for me. Uh, the the other thing that I noticed from uh, one of actually one of our local guys, uh, Matt Penner, who does the keep them guessing uh, YouTube. Uh, channel he he is a big far striders fan and he pointed out that when upper hand's gone and now archers focus and fired up aren't restricted that could make far striders a force to be reckoned with here yeah malag might have something to say about that but we'll see i love the bops um, yeah, so I, we did I, have some cards taken off the restricted list, which is an right. which is an interesting uh, development. And to get back to it, upper hand, I I feel as though that is definitely a feel bad card. Yeah. Um, you know, like because it's the game. If we're gonna have it be up to dice, let's leave it up to dice, because right. upper hand is basically a get out of miss free card. Yeah, and um, and it, it, there are some you know when my dice are rolling well upper hand sits in my deck the entire game and when my dice are rolling terribly I use it right away um, you know it's it, it's it is very OP um, everybody does use it um, I don't know if it's confusing well, it, it did it did, it was confusing because we always had that um, contention about whether you could play it on zero ties Oh, right. Yeah. If somebody like if you let's say you're attacking and you roll nothing and your opponent also rolls nothing. Then you can play this and actually hit them. And actually, I I would suggest to you guys, uh, I think you're right, Max, but for the wrong reason. Uh, The the reason why upper hand is banned, just like great concussion is banned, uh, just like uh, extreme flank is banned. These are cards that actually slow down the game because they're a little bit too confusing in order to keep the game pace going. 
Oh, uh, I've to, always said confusing things is like that's the difference between a restricted card and a banned card. Yeah, is uh, how confusing it is. Yeah, so I I think upper hand uh, because it it means that you need to ask your your opponent to roll now uh, because you're right. Yeah, that's that's annoying. You don't need a success to do it. So I I think I think more than anything that's probably why. Yeah, there there was a lot of that going on. Like I would be like, here I'm gonna roll these dice just in case. So I was just being nice all the time and just rolling dice, like. Well, technically, that's how you. That's how the. the it's what you're supposed to do, much, but yeah. I mean, but every, obviously, people skip that if there are no. Hits, yeah. Yeah, if there are no successes, so, um, yeah, it really telegraphs. Um, and and it was like, it was kind of a poorly designed card, but you know what? They they're putting out you know hundreds of cards in a season. One or two of them are going to be like extreme flank is another example of just something that's just like. Okay, how does this work? I mean, and we're gonna get to Grimwatch probably in a later episode, and we gotta talk about that leader ability, but we're gonna we're gonna put a pin in that for now. Um, the last thing about the new tournament format, the champion format that is new, is that uh you are not allowed to put a lethal token next to a lethal hex of any kind, including one of an, another lethal token. Right, and that's so that's a good be change because space. people were taking that board with the three lethal hexes all together on the right side and then placing the boards yep. diagonally with the only three and then just putting right. another lethal right there, which is kind of crap. Forces you to run in. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Through, through the lethals in order to get to the other side of the board. Right. Yep. So yeah, it's so important to, to note that. that you can't, you can't put Thanks it on. It up for us. Whoever did that first. <laughs> I mean, that board's really popular. They might have to ban that board to be honest. Yeah. Or, Something like because that that board will rotate out next season. Yeah, that board is get, becoming pretty problematic, especially with uh, Grimwatch in the game now. Yep. But it's yeah, important yeah. to note that the lethal hexes you can't you can't put the lethal hex tokens that you place in the beginning of the game next to another lethal hex token or a lethal hex marker that's just on a board. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, let's see. The next one is the alliance format, and uh, this is the one that was. That they played down at ATC, basically. That was kind of like the nascent stages of it. <clears throat> now it's more uh, more official. Um, it's basically the same thing as Champion, only um, you have the issue where nobody in your team is allowed to have the same warband, and nobody's allowed to have the same card. So every warband and card needs to be unique within your team. Right. So this is the, the team format. This is very popular in Europe, and... Um... It was really only played on a on a large scale at ATC this year in uh, North America. So I'm hoping that we have more team tournaments in in North America soon because that's always a, a fun time. All right, yeah, you get too. a lot of like varied, uh, you know, people brewing awesome new decks with the with the deck building restrictions. Yeah, yeah, they have to come. I saw the Tome Malog come out of that, right? Which is an interesting deck. But otherwise, uh, there's basically no change between um, championship and alliance. They're basically the same rules. Yeah, except for except for the no repeats. Right, All right. right, and then there's one more, and this is we had talked about this on earlier episodes. How they might do something like with Magic, where they have like you can just two versions: one where you can only use the more recent stuff, and one where you can use anything. And that's basically what they did. Uh, so we called it. Um, so, and this is called relic format. Uh, speaking of relics, you can use the cataphrane relics again. Uh, this is, uh, this is where you can basically use 
everything from the that's ever been released, except there are some things that are put on what's called their forsaken list. Um, right. And the forsaken list includes old friends like keep them guessing, extreme flank, aggressive defense. That's a new addition because you can use aggressive defense and baffling illusion. You can use them both in champion, but not in and relic. keep them guessing. Uh, Yep, keep them guessing as well. It's true. Uh, Great concussion, last chance is out. Um, quick thinker, time trap, and still upper hand. And uh, why do we think they picked these particular ones, Derek? Uh, you know what? I'm I'm going to go back to my original explanation of upper hand. These are all the confusing cards that actually slow up a game. Uh, if anyone's running a relic tournament they're probably doing it because it'll be a really fun time and and honestly i think having uh you know i i never played magic the gathering i understand that they do have that same practice where they rotate cards out and then every once in a while they have a tournament where you can use whatever you want uh but those are the cards that will slow up the game uh, and will make it so confusing that it's really too easy for a TO or other players or anyone to make a mistake uh, mm -hmm. or just to upset the flow of the game. So uh, it, it makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, that being said, anytime there's a Relic uh, game, I'm going to be 100% uh, Cataphrane Relics showing up <laughs> just because I really enjoyed that. And even when they were not viable at all in the meta, I would still be trying to build them. Hold up. So hold up. I love it. Yeah, throw them on Galaxy. You liked Cataphrane Relics? L loved it. All right. We, we need to find a new. Person. You're basically chaotic. We need evil. to find a new guest. Can we get a new guest on <laughs> short notice? Can we get a can we get a different Canadian? Yeah. I think this one's defective. Yeah. I thought Canadians yeah. were supposed to be polite and you come in with cataphrane relics. That's relics. It's rude. No, because let's face it, uh just like every Anookshook that you see outside of the Canadian brew house or our Hudson's Tap House. What is a you, Nookshook? Oh, you ignorant Yankees. Yes. Yes. So an Anookshook is a bunch of flat stones stacked up so that they look like a person or a bird. Okay. And just like a Nookshooks, we like building really cool things. It's our version of role-playing because you need to understand Gary Gygax wasn't allowed in Canada until 1993 when President Tim Horton finally uh, allowed Dungeons and Dragons back in. You, so, that's a lie. Tim Horton is a Dungeons <laughs> Donuts. Get the hell out of here. That I know because I like hockey. Get out of here. Tim Tim Horton brought electricity to Canada. Yeah, is that legit. That's it. I'm looking that up. And <laughs> delicious raspberry tarts. Tim Horton. Well, I'm let's just take a quicker. Let, let's take a closer look at the at the cards that were in. So. In in the relic format, we still have uh, the the standard cards that were that have always been banned: extreme flank, uh, great concussion, time trap, and quick thinker. Right, and then we have these n new additions: we have aggressive defense, baffling illusion, keep them guessing, and last chance. Did I say that already, and up uh, and upper hand. So these cards are all like like you said, confusing. 
and they hold up the game and a lot of them have been FAQ'd several times. Like keep them guessing has been FAQ'd a couple times because it's kind of confusing with how um reactions work on on cards. And they don't want to have they don't want you to have to, you know, look up the FAQ every time. Uh Baffling Illusion forces you to use the scatter token, and that's also kind of a feel bad card that you can kind of prey on noobs with. Like you you can say, I play Baffling Illusion when they really want to charge you and then they sort of fumble around with the the dumb scatter token. Right. And that that kind of feels bad. Last chance is an interesting one. Like um you know, that that card is pretty important to a lot of the season 1 warband strategies and thinking that band is kind of I don't really agree with that. So but I'm I, surprised that that is forsaken, but Soul Trap Soul Trap and, and yeah. other spirit and then action uh, specifics aren't Tim Horton was a hockey player. Yeah, no one cares, Max. I'm just saying, like, that's where it came from. All right, now I'm back in the game. Here we go. Okay, so... And yeah, so my, my and, theory... And, and there's uh, no um, restricted cards. You're allowed to have as many restricted cards as you want in, in uh, Relic. So my theory is that I'll take this... all of them. Yeah, this format is designed for people who are new to the game or learning the game... Or just want to, you know, rip open a box of uh, an expansion pack and just start playing with that, you know? And so you don't really have to worry about um, the restricted list. You don't have to look up the restricted list. You can just kind of throw all the cards that you come that get in, in either the core set or the expansion packs and just have fun playing the game. And then they took all these um, either confusing or sort of feels bad cards uh, and put them on and, and banned them. Yeah, yeah honestly, I, I really yeah. like how they've done it. Yeah, it's only like, what, eight, two, four, six, seven, nine? Only nine and they're Yeah, and they're sprinkled around. I don't think a lot of these are concentrated in any particular expansion. Yeah. Yeah, Power Unbound, Shadespire, Night Vault, yeah. Nothing banned uh, from, from Beast Grave yet. Nope. And honestly, they I'm not really seeing anything. I'm not really seeing anything from uh, from Beast Grave that's like both confusing and too strong. Like I'm seeing a lot of strong cards. But, well, they are uh, also yeah. they're using the keywords now, which really yeah. helps, and uh, and everything seems to be have a lot cleaner language. I haven't seen anything terrible yet. Right. Um. Except for except of course for the Crack Marrows uh, action. Yeah. But we'll talk about that again another time. Yeah. All right. Um, so that sounds good. So those are the new formats. Everybody, you know, look out for when these are coming to a venue near you or maybe a venue far away from you that you want to go and travel to because that's pretty cool and fun. too. Like Scotland. Sure. All right. So let's go into the, the main part of the episode. We we're talking about the Despoilers, one of the new warbands from the core set. And uh, Derek and I have both played these guys and taken them to tournaments, and we'll talk about how we did in a little bit. But first, we want to talk about our decks, how we feel like uh, the play style for these decks, and also uh, which cards we chose. So Derek, uh, start us off. So the big thing that I wanted to... That's four, right? There you go. Uh, Plus the one during the break, so... Gotcha. Uh, the big thing for me was I wanted to make this deck to be the superior aggro flex. Uh, it, 
it is the frat goat. It is the party animal. It is the beast raver. Uh, so when I was building the deck itself, uh, it was very close to a, what would be the equivalent of a football zone defense. I used uh, the Halfhorn and Drakoth in order to charge in and get that first kill. I would use the two Ungors to stay back, uh, and they would actually just hold objectives. So Ushkor and Narl, uh, if they could move on to an objective or get a push, that was their entire bit. And then Grashak, uh, the leader, and Korsh, they would be my flex points or uh, your linebackers or your free safeties. So what they would do is if I needed an extra body to charge in, get that kill, it would happen if I needed it to hang back. And that all depended on which board I got. So the first thing that I would always do is if I won the roll, I would always lay down first so that I could get the three objectives. Yeah, I was doing that too. That's right. So uh, on, uh, so that that's the first thing that I really need to explain on that, uh, because a lot of people just see the stat lines, and they don't see what they're able to do. Uh, the the big style of of my version of the spoilers was that you have your two, three, maybe four guys blitz in, get the couple kills, make sure you get the inspires. And then hold the objectives to in order to get that uh, glory throughout the game. So my my objective count is actually really high, as a total glory of twenty. Um, on the surge objectives for my six, I had martyred because you're always going to have someone killed. Shortcut, which was always really easy because you'd have the sneak uh, do a sneaking. Uh, bestial cunning, uh, which was always good as it is the uh, essentially the surge ploy master. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, the spoilers because it was the score immediate supremacy. So good. It is so good. So good. Uh, killing blow uh, because you would be surprised how many times Halfhorn or Draknar would get that kill for you. Stampede uh, because you're you're. If you got it that first round, you would be making three charges. If you didn't, it might be a dead card in round uh, two or three, but it was yeah. still really important. I mean, you also have a lot of you have a lot of figures on the on the table, so I mean, you might still be able to get it in round two or round three. That's right. Yeah. Uh, now, I did not take any uh, third end phase cards uh, because I want to keep it as flex as possible. For my end phase, I was using Supremacy because, again, you want to get those three objectives. Yep. Uh, Path to Victory, I have found, is one of the the really good, uh, to use uh, Justin from uh, the Battlecast, Bonkers card, uh, which has been excellent. Uh, dug In, I think, is it's Let's hard to pull off. Yeah, honestly, we could probably take a while to do that if you want to do that yeah, now. We should. that one. So let me let me read it because I don't have a, a lot mm -hmm. of uh, thing to say about it. So I'll just be the guy. It's a dual card, which means that it's an and statement. You have to do both things. You score this in end phase for glory. Any end phase, if your warband holds three or more objectives, and your warband held three or more objectives at the start of the round, doesn't have to be the same ones. Right. So this is big about this double With supremacy, basically. 
with the frack goats, you're going to want to immediately hold three objectives and just keep there. And Duggan completely plays to that. And I love this card so much because it brings uh, that objective play back to Underworlds. Wow. Yeah. It's not great in an opening hand, though. That's a tough one. Well, no, you well, you kind of do want it in your oh well, no, you can't do it until you. No, I mean it, it's good to to draw up in the first end phase. Right, right. Don't yeah. want it in your opening hand. Correct. Yeah. What what I would suggest if you're doing dug in, you can't do an end phase because you now have two cards that you can't score in your first round, uh, which I yeah. think could kill people. So if you're playing Cataphrain, if you're playing, uh, sorry, Cataphrain Tomes, if you're playing Denial. Anything like that, uh, Duggan's not for you. But if you're not, then it might be the way because that four glory is something to chase. That's big. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it takes a lot of doing, I think, depending on how your opponent's playing also. Because um, if your opponent's playing defensive, I think that this becomes very easy to score. Um, but yeah, I, I see that like it might gum up your opening hand. Um, however, if you do, you know, if you do draw it in your first hand, at least you know to, to start getting set up for it. And to and to place your uh, your fighters in a way that not only will you be holding it, maybe you get supremacy in the first end phase, but then also to like be a little bit more defensive and kind of pick where to put certain things um, to make sure that you can kind of hold it for a little bit longer. That's uh, that's a pretty that's a pretty good card. I, I can see people starting to use this more often, but it is a it's a high high reward, obviously. But I think the risk is also. Very high Very because high. Have especially in game two, yeah. game two and three. Yeah. Oh, for yep. sure. If if people know that you have dug in, I will yell uh, in there. Yep. Oh, there yep. you go. All right. I'm getting you. So I'm getting you. I'm so that's you a pretty good. Uh, and you have supremacy as well. Yeah, I've got supremacy, and then I've also got opening gambit. And just like any party guy that works out, you know, you need your solid gains. Hell yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hold the horses there. Yeah, no, solid gains is a great card. Hold um, the goats, you mean? Yeah, if you're not scoring three in a round, like, what are you doing? Right? Like, I feel like solid gains is, like, something that you could put in. Basically, if you don't know what to put in, put in solid gains. Yeah, that's kind I, of I, I found I, myself doing that the other day. Yeah, I, I used to do that, but with these new cards from uh, Grimwatch, at least for Thorns, I, I haven't had to use so many good Yeah. So the the big question, and I would I would love both yours and anyone listening's uh, perspective on this. When do you go solid gains, and when do you go great gains? I don't think you go great gains. People like great I think that's gains. Asking for trouble. I think it's asking for trouble. Solid gains. I prefer personally the the you know the the John Nash, um, smaller. Uh, you know, you guys know from uh, what's it from. What was that movie, the the Russell Crowe movie with John Nash, where he's like in Economist? Oh, Beautiful Mind. Beautiful Mind. So he was talking about how like it's better for everybody to go after small things that you're definitely going to get than big things that everybody's going to have to fight over. Isn't oh, yeah, that Moneyball? Yeah. No, uh, yeah, it's very similar to Moneyball. Mind. Also, it's like they just you know like they get on base. Like that's what you have to worry about. So yeah, I mean, th there's that too. Yeah. So for me, I like solid gains because getting three in a round, like I do that all the time. Like that's not hard. How many games have you like played where you had less than nine glory at the end? You know, you're going to get three every time 
uh, or, or at least often. But five, that's that's asking for a lot, especially in the first round. I, th- I think solid gains yeah, is the best. And league, the so. restriction on the score immediately too makes that a little bit tougher. You know, the, the one thing I do want to point out, uh, you know, if you get solid gains, you get to say solid gains and, and right. then flex a little great bit. Gains is not but cool. if you get great gains, you get to say great gains. And instead of doing that one bicep, you get to do both biceps. And oh, that's a winner right there. Yeah, I know. So you just so you go you go solid gains, great gains, and then just 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 blow the hernia right through, right? Okay, sounds good. All right, gambits. What do you got? So wait, hold uh, on. We're basing our evidence. We're basing our recommendation solely on the stupid thing you get to say when you score it. Is that why not how we do things always? Holy crap! All right, gambits. What do you got? Uh, and, and just another note on that, uh, your your team is always better on how punny your deck name is. Yes, I got gotcha. you yeah, for sure. So well, I, I had uh, well, I, I had my uh, my electric turtle. <laughs> that was always a good one. <laughs> That's uh, very magicy defensive curse breakers. <laughs> so I I have put uh, and this isn't just for this deck, but I've put in different types of gambits uh you have control you have inspire you have accuracy you have damage uh oh and then movement uh so with the despoilers you're trying to get accuracy you're trying to get damage and you're trying to get movement right because in my case i'm not trying to do a lot of control I'm not trying to do a lot of defense. I'm not trying to do a lot of dam- uh, a lot of magic. So in my case, when you divide them in there, if we want to start with accuracy, I've got determined effort. I've got haymaker. Mm-hmm. I've got blood taunt. I've got bull charge. I've got sitting target. So you can see right. that there are four uh, for accuracy. Then for damage, I've got encroaching shadow. I've yep. got pit trap and yep. I've got snare. Yeah. And then for movement, I've got two steps forward. I've got sidestep. And I have vile invaders. So if uh and, and this is one of the suggestions that I would say to anyone who who's trying to build their team. Uh what are you trying to do? Uh because everything everything on a competitive level does need to be flex at this point. But how much do you need accuracy? Now, the, the spoilers need accuracy. Need accuracy, yeah. They need damage, and they need that extra movement because they have those extra guys. Right, and uh, and they also want to like just snap stand on something. So Absolutely. I think um, I think vile invaders and sidestep are musts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially since a lot of those stand on objectives cards are are surges now. Yeah, so good. And they're active uh... after activation. So good. Just spoiler. When that pops up, if you have that with Vile Invaders, so easy. You wait for a power step, play Vile Invaders, two guys standing on something, play, uh, you know, then then it's your turn. And then you just like Korsh onto something, and there you go. You got it. Yeah. Yeah, Korsh makes getting those uh, four immediately effective. If you win the roll off at the beginning, because if you don't, your your opponent's not going to stick one on the edge. But uh, for the most part, yeah. Well, and and that's the other side of it. Uh, 
know your boards. Uh, if if you want to go to the Bowcast, where the gentleman that won the Grand Clash with Blood Reavers, he had actually Jimmy. put down his. Uh, no, sorry, Jimmy. Jimmy Molini. I'm sorry, I I don't know that gentleman. Oh, that, that's that's the guy who won with Reavers. Oh, perfect. So yeah. one of the, one of the things that he did, oh, you and got I, Jimmy, you got oh. to get along. So one of the oh, things you that, would love Jimmy. Yeah. Oh man, you guys would be like best friends right away. Yeah, good. Yep. All right. So Jimmy, just so you know, I hate you. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> That's Canadian for we're bros. I know, man. Anyway, so uh, one of the things that he did on the Battlecast was he showed. I guess this is on his phone or something of the boards that he's going to use if they win or you win. And it had to do with making sure that he had positioning. That same idea, and actually the same boards, uh, work just as well for the spoilers. Because if you uh, you win the roll, but you want the objectives, so you lay out your board, there are some of those boards that keep two or three places where you can put your sneak, and then it still works. Uh, yeah. So... I I would I would tell you go go to Battlecast uh watch that and honestly I I took a look at the new Beastgrave boards and I'm still going with the the ones that uh Jimmy Blood Jimmy yeah, yeah Blood Reavers Jimmy yep yeah uh that that he used like that's which one was the one that he suggested uh you know what look look it up man okay. is it the <laughs> one with like the, yeah, the one starts, with the triple hexes the block hexes like look yeah like that, that's the first one yeah that's the one i was using a lot yeah and that that one always works if you lose boards take that one and you've got several spots for your sneak and you've got lots of places to you get have a lot of hidey ho too because you yep. can like hide the objectives and you can put like lethal hexes you can throw them to the front there you go or you can uh use it to gum up the lanes to get to the back yeah i was using that one a lot yeah no it's so great for that and there's a way to put them in where you can have all three of them be very far to the back so if you're yes. playing against that you have to put a lethal hex a little bit further up on your opponent's board to block them from putting it there but you only if you knew only if you knew they were going to do that am i not explaining that well enough no you are so, no that made sense that made, that made sense okay yeah because because they're either you put one slightly closer or they're going to put all three in the back. Yeah, so mm-hmm. you can't you can't let them do that. All right. Anyway, mo- moving on uh, upgrades. So what moving on to upgrades. Uh, this again. Uh, the the thing about upgrades that that's where you get your jank. It's where you're, where you really get to give the flavor for your, for your team. Uh, I'm going to start with the ones that get you more glory. So. Uh, this is with the new the new fart list, and with the new cards. So I By would way, include Tony Field. Thank you for fart list because if I'm not going to have Woo Bar anymore, at least it's the fart list. Yeah, thanks, I guess. Uh, so thanks, Tony. Is it not the Forsaken and Restricted Tony list? Oh, list? we can do that. Oh, yeah. The rest- yeah. There Forsaken you go. We're trying to figure out. Tony. Because he said tome, but like tome means something different in this game. So maybe it should be the forsaken and restricted Tony list because it's right. Tony's idea. There you go. Perfect. Thanks a lot, Tony. We got it. <laughs> so uh, what what I want to start with, uh, two of my restricted. So one. I'm glad we finally it. did something worth spreading around on this particular episode. Just like we all parts. No, I just spreading. feel like, I feel like, right. I feel like our goal has been met now. Because we we settled that acronym. 
It's settled oh. now. All right, go ahead. So uh, I took all the things that will get you more glory because it's not like you're going to be building up uh, your goats very much during the game. So get a slumbering key, put it on one of your ungors that's sitting back and probably not going to get killed. Tome of Glory, same thing. Uh, I included Tome of Offerings as well as Amberbone Axe. And the reason why, you put them on whoever's going to get the next kill. And I did that instead of Trophy Taker, which is the Draknar specific. Yeah, that so, wasn't working out very well for me. I, that's I right. It. Yeah. Because in, in your first round, you're charging in with Draknar, and he's probably dying. But Toma Offerings, you put that in right before you get a kill, and you get two for it. Amberbone Axe, the same idea. Yeah. Uh, along with that, Challenge Seeker is always good. Crown of Avarice for guys that are going to die is always good. Fainway well, Crystal steal a glory anyway, right? Well, there you go. Shake, uh, go for it. Fainway Crystal, I'm so 50-50 on. Every once in a while, it wins you a game. Every once in a while, it's a dead card, yeah. and it yeah. it frustrates me a lot. But it's also won me games, so it it goes into decks like this. Yep. Well, well I mean, the only cards remaining. It's one of the only cards that remains that lets you get over to your opponent's side in only one yeah. activation. That's right. Unless you're thorns, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm talking about, you know, there's no hidden paths anymore. Right. And there's no uh, spectral wing, so kind of need that. And then uh, Glory Seeker and Great Strength are great for getting that extra damage, which the displayers definitely need. Uh, Larval Lance, and I, this this one is a lot of fun. I think it uses a great design space. I'm going to almost suggest in some cases that if you're in round one, hold it and then put it in onto your guy in the end phase. Uh, and even if you're in round two, because as soon as someone's got the larval lance, someone's going to try and get them. Yep. Uh, so un really unless, unless they're safe and it's so good round three, Wait, pull your shot and uh, get it at the right time there. Yeah, and and remember, Larval Lance can the the stats cannot be modified, so don't put great strength, which I did because I didn't read. Don't put great strength on that guy because it doesn't add a damage. So, uh, so great strength goes on a different dude than Larval Lance. There you go. How about your deck, Max? Oh, thanks for throwing that to me. Um, yeah, so hey, mine, your turn. My great. I haven't actually changed my deck since I played with it, um, and that was pre-Grimwatch, so um, I feel as though... Uh, well, Upper Hand would have to come out, but I had 11 Gambits and 11 upgrades anyway, so I'd probably pull out Spirit Bond and uh, and Upper Hand and just stick with the other stuff that I had. Um, so what I had uh, for my... So first of all, the way that I played it, I played a little differently than you. I played much more cagey where I would stay very close to the back of my own zone and wait for other, um, for other fighters to kind of, uh, you know, kind of stretch their forces and then kind of swarm them all at once. So I was kind of more ambushy. Um, so I had slightly different stuff in mind. Um, I also, you had calculated risk, right? Or no, I forget already. I'm going to have to go back. Yeah. So you don't have, so, uh, so I have calculated risk because I, I figure, if you run an Ungor through a thing, you know, if he has one wound versus 
two wounds left. It's kind of the same thing in most cases. Um, I was playing with keep them guessing because Korsh would always do his action once. Um, Martyred I played with. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's let's do. Sorry. Let's let's do the uh, the surges. Uh, calculate risk. Martyred. Uh, shortcut. I was using warning shot. Um, I don't know if that's the best thing to use, but they are have such terrible accuracy. They're basically a Narvia and um, the, 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 uh, the shooty guys. So uh, when it came up early in the game, I would basically always score it. Uh, if it came up later in the game, it was just a dead card. Cause by then those ungores are probably dead. Um, I was also playing with bestial cunning. I think it's kind of an auto include if you're playing these guys, uh, just spoilers is definitely an auto include if you're playing these guys. Um, and then I was playing with keep them guessing opening gambit blood ritual. I was trying that one out. Um, I found I that, that one. well, especially earlier in the game. Cause I, I would usually kill one or two things. You'll see in a minute why I was able to kill things, uh, kind of easily. Um, and, uh, so I just wouldn't use the, the ritual counter right away. And I would use it later on, um, after I had scored this. Um, and then let's see, I was using bloodshed, which actually I would not use anymore because, uh, it's really bad against tanky, uh, three, uh, warbands, uh, three fighter warbands, like, uh, Storm Sire uh, or something like that because it's really hard to kill them. It's really good against Horde Warbands and then terrible against everything else. So actually I would not play with that anymore and I would recommend not using switch it. Switch that out for the um, Grimwash ones. Yeah, probably. Um, I'd Path have to, to check victory. through it. Path to Victory is probably better. Yeah, um, And that's also not a surge, so that'd be perfect. Uh, Proven Superiority I was playing um, another one that I probably wouldn't play anymore just because, um, it, it actually doesn't mesh with my, uh, with my playing style. Um, and in most cases, the, in some cases, the leader doesn't come in. So I'm sitting in the back and the leader's like all the way over there. And I'm like, what is this card doing in here? So I don't know if I would use that, but survival of the fittest. I scored every game I played with these guys, uh, things are going to die and you have six fighters. It's unlikely they're going to get all six of them. I don't think I've ever been wiped out playing these guys. Um, and I, you know, I played against some, some pretty killer players uh, with, with this particular deck. And uh, like, I don't think I was ever wiped off the table. So survival of the fittest, you're going to score. Um, and that was my objectives. Uh, gambits. Uh, I had a lot of plink damage. I had encroaching shadow, pit trap, lethal ward, snare, um, I would also had, uh, let's see. And so those were my, uh, my damage cards. I would always put the lethal hexes in places where things would probably be standing next to them to make sure that I could, I could deliver extra damage that way. Um, I was playing with upper hand. Obviously that's gone. Now I was playing with haymaker. I was playing with uh, blood taunt. I was playing with bull charge. Um, I was playing with skirmisher, uh, which was pretty good. Uh, especially early in the game. Um, and there was a couple of uh, situations where my opponent had charged and then I would play skirmisher and I'd be able to take two or three shots at the thing uh, before the end of the round uh, while my guys were sitting back and standing on stuff. So it worked out. I don't know if it's an amazing card, but it's definitely okay. Um, I'd probably switch it out for something now that the Grimwatch cards are out. Vile invaders you have to have and sidestep you have to have with these guys. Uh, so those are the gambits I was playing with. Um, as far as upgrades go, a lot of the stuff that you would expect, 
Crown of Avarice, Fainway Crystal. I was using Fighter's Ferocity. Um, I, I found that there were a lot of cases where I was rolling a lot of dice. There were some cases where uh, I was rolling like God sworn amounts of dice fish for the crits there to get the extra damage. Uh, yeah. And it's, it helped out a few times. Um, so I, I like that one. And also if they inspire, I believe they all go up to like three. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of dice being thrown. Um, I don't have the cards in front of me at the moment. Um, great strength, uh, great fortitude I had in there, but again, that's another oh, one. Oh, by the way, up. Fighter's Ferocity also works on range attacks, I believe. Yes, it does. Um, yeah, uh, Trophy Taker, again, I, I would probably switch that out and uh, take Amberbone Axe or something else. Um, I was Trophy Taker only hunters or only... It's Drachnar. just that It's just that one guy. Okay. Just Drachnar. It's just oh, Drachnar. That's not good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I honestly, I there was... I, I don't know. It came up like once or twice. I, I don't. F- I feel like it was kind of something that I didn't really need um, after playing with it en- enough. Uh, because Drachnar, you're gonna get like one good, you know, shot on something, and then yeah. you're stuck there yeah, after a charge. Like, I don't like that. Made... Yeah, I don't. Right. Like that I'm guy. gonna. I'm gonna kill the guy that has the most damage yeah. on him. And he's only got. Three... He's he's uh he's a Kacharik, You know. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. So it's like uh, you three damage is one shotable very easily um so he would end up just dying a lot and then trophy taker would show up later on and it was like what am i doing with this um spirit bond was pretty good and i would use it situationally um especially if i needed something to land or if i needed you know course to live or whatever i would put spirit bond on them and just keep him alive just get that accuracy a lot better i like Um, you still use it with only getting three restricteds because that was almost no, the first thing that i know that was that was back when i had five restricteds and i'm like well i should put a restricted in here now that's probably the one i would take out mm-hmm. because upper hand's already out i would I, I and i would i might switch warning shot for uh tome of offerings like you were saying because again you just throw it on the next thing it's going to make a kill calculated risk i would definitely keep because again you lose one damage on an, on an ungore it doesn't really matter and uh pit trap you got to keep because you need to be churning out a little bit more damage but spirit bond can definitely go um and then um i was using because again this was pre-grimwatch i was using nullstone spear and nullstone sword um but now if i was taking out trophy taker and spirit bond i might throw in uh the two that you had the amberbone axe and the the larval lance just to make sure that those um those upgrades were coming out and so i'd always have an uh, uh, uh um, a weapon upgrade to throw on something now, now, are we in agreement that the Larval Lance is the most phallic weapon that is available in oh, Underworlds yeah. right now? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Amberbone Hammer. That one's that one's what about pretty. The Hero Slayer. It's got a bone. That's not that, that that's restricted. It's got a bone. It's a hammer. You can swing it. I I personally think that we should, and we're going to do it first here. Uh, as of now. That uh, Grand Clash card is called the Ammon Hammer. The Mon Hammer. Hammer. Oh, Ammon Hammer. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know how he's gonna like that. Oh, he's got to use really, it every Grand he's, Clash. He's gonna now. give me a really angry DM. What the <laughs> fuck did Derek say? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, so that's what we got. Um, that's what we played with, and let's talk about. Let's see. So we talked a little bit about the similarities and differences between our decks, but you were kind of dividing your forces into zones where I was playing like way back and just ambushing things when they came in. Um, uh, there, there's, uh, there's a lot of overlap. I would say it's more than 50% of the cards are overlapping. 
Yeah, I would say actually almost 80% just from yeah. my count. And yours are your and again, your deck is more up to date, and mine is like I I played with them and I'm kind of doing this episode and I'm done with them. I want to move on. Yeah, the, the other thing the, the other thing that I want to point out, uh, if you take a look at both of our uh our lists on there, you will see that the team uses a lot of uh fashion specific ones for yes. those for those goddamn awesome goats. Uh and then I've yeah. noticed that for everybody who's playing my hunt and everybody who's uh, playing the Bretonian ghouls, they will also be using that. So props to GW for making some some really good faction-specific uh, needed faction cards in these. Cards this time around. Absolutely. Yeah. I've noticed that as well. And and it gives it gives up. a lot of flavor. Yes. They become much more, much more insular and not it's like you're not playing you know, Malug and Magor similarly. Well, I mean, sorry, you would play Malug and, and Magor very similarly because you're, they have their faction specific cards are okay. There's like two that are good. Like Malug literally only has two. Um, but, uh, but, but these guys, I mean, they're going to be very different. I mean, how many, how many, uh, how many faction specifics you, do you have in yours? I have one, two, three, four, five, six, Seven, eight, nine, ten. I have eleven in my deck. Yeah, I have ten. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't playing, notice that uh, you guys had like there was two. a lot of uh, faction-specific objectives and ploys, but not upgrades. You had almost no. Yeah, the upgrades are not that great. Upgrades. And trophy taker. Honestly, I could throw that away and be fine. But but the gambits and the objectives, definitely. A lot of good flavor there. All right, so that's cool. Um, what what cards do they definitely need to have if you're putting a spoiler deck together? Oh, Crown of Avarice. Uh, yep. Because sitting target that. and determined effort are great. Uh, you know, it's it's funny. You mentioned you have calculated risk. I don't. I only don't have that because it takes up a restricted slot. Uh, and I use a different surge objective for it, but that's you know that that's exactly on the bubble for me. Yeah. Okay. I mean, because we said that uh, vile invaders definitely has to be in there to be able to push any of those for cards, sure. those faction specific cards, like the dwarves have one too, um, where you can move two guys out of sequence. That's a big deal. Uh, we talked about blood taunt. Which is this great card that I, I? That's the one where you put. Um, hold on, that's where you put a guard token. You take a damage, but uh, then you get two dice on your next attack action in your in the next activation. So it acts like haymaker. And again, we don't care if these guys take a damage because most of them only have two anyway. Yeah. Um. So so that's pretty good. And yeah, haymaker is great because your little the guys spoilers. Are... Yeah, the spoilers you need to have. If that oh, that's, up, yeah, that's a, that's a big, big jump. Um, survival of the fittest, I think, is definitely something you should have because you're going to lose fighters, but probably not all of them, and your opponent's going to lose fighters. So the likelihood of having five total fighters out and you having one guy left at least is very high. And then uh, we were talking about a lot of plink damage and accuracy cards and a lot of upgrade weapons, which also increase because their their baseline stats are not super great. 
Um, but if you put uh, upgrade weapons or um, hidden damage or accuracy cards in there to make sure that they're a lot more effective in combat. All the so to, to give you an idea on a, on a funny thing, uh, if anyone remembers Sepulchral Guard, and I, I'm going to give a shout out to Jesse from, from our team who, who played them throughout season two and even did really well at Adepticon uh, both years. And he did uh, objectives with his petitioners, but then would charge in with uh, the champion and with the harvester and with the prince. Uh, And that taught a lot of our, a lot of our teammates in order to, to do that flex uh, that, that aggro objective flex. And I think that that is what Games Workshop is trying to do. And so we see that really with the spoilers and we see that with, uh, uh, with the ghouls as well. Cool. Yeah. But the ghouls definitely too. Um, I, 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 we have to do wild hunting. Well, how many is that now? Is that, a, is that the full six pack? Is that oh, five packs? Dude, I have 24 of these, man. We're, we're just oh, getting started, boy. bro. Okay. <laughs> that's the most Canadian thing I've ever heard. All right. Um, sorry. And I, and I lost my narrative thread. I don't remember what I was going to say. Um, anyway, uh, the, the other thing I wanted to say is martyred should probably be in your deck. Cause somebody's going to die in your, in your squad. All right. Um, so we brought, we, so Derek, you and I both brought these guys to a, uh, a tournament and just a regular, just kit tournament. Um, so can you tell me where your tournament was? Sure. So it was at the Sentry Box. Uh, it was run by Jordan there. Uh, and like I said before, uh, between the Ogres then and Paul there and the Imaginary Wars and Kyle there, uh, Jordan has been the dedicated employee at the Sentry Box uh, that not only organizes the Underworld's matches, but is also a big fan of it. Uh, so I, man, I, I want I want to give shout outs to everybody in in our crew because uh, they they do such a good job. Uh, we had, uh, and this is actually why I started playing the frat goats, uh, because most people were saying that the the elvish mine hunt were supposed to be the really good team, and. Uh, in this tournament, I think we had eight players. Uh, four of them were were playing were playing the hunt, and I decided going in that I want to play something different uh, because I, you know, and I didn't expect to to win at all. Uh, and so I I threw the guys on there, and between the uh, the four hunt that were out there. Uh, the, there is, uh, Aaron playing eyes of the nine. I actually played him in the first round. Uh, one of the things about Aaron and his eyes of the nine, I want to say he is playing, not just the, the best eyes of the nine, but probably one of the best tactical control teams, uh, in North America, if not the world. Uh, every time I try and make aggro great again, I give him a call up and I'm like, Hey, can you meet? Can we get some wings and play a couple games? And we'll do that. And he, he has defeated me uh, so many times and he puts up with me trying so much shank to try and take him on. Um, 
So when we played the first round, I think both of us thought that this would be an easy win for him. And it was very lucky that uh, these party animals were able to get it out. Uh, and it's and that's sort of the exact point that I realized that we needed that level of flex. Uh, there was also a, uh, I, I want to say there's a Gitz and a Stormcast uh, team in that tournament. I didn't play them. I played two uh, two Elvish hunts and then uh, and then Aaron size in the nine. Uh, in the final, uh, I mentioned the YouTube channel. Keep them guessing. Uh, I did play uh, Matt's uh, uh, Matt Hunt uh, his, his team, and those, those elves uh, almost caught me at the end. So it was a very close thing, and. It was a lot of good gaming there. So I did not expect... You brought it home, right? Yeah, uh, I took home a, a glass. I got to tell you, the, uh, I, I personally appreciate that Games Workshop does go out of their way to make those tournament kits, only because that piece of glass is going to be the greatest murder weapon that has ever been used. Yeah, you, just trip, you put it down on the floor and you just trip somebody and just make them land on it. Actually, I was thinking when someone's watching TV, you just jab him in oh, the back of the skull. Jab him in the back, or just like knock him in the head. I mean, it's really heavy. I know. This is a blunt object. It's awesome. Yeah, sharp. No, they're real good. It's it's sharp on one end and one on the other end. It's great. It and it's it's with the perfect handle. It seems. Yes. And uh, and and Randall Randall should know. He's got like he's got one of the big ones for best. I got a big one. Grand Clash. Yeah. You know, it's funny, uh, and Rand, dangerous. you and I just met, I didn't realize, that because Max has always been saying that you've got a big one forever, I didn't realize he was talking about your trophy. Right, right. <laughs> well, no, that's what he calls his penis. Ah! The big one. <laughs> the big one. <laughs> the trophy. I've heard him call it both. All right. Um, I also went to a tournament with this deck, and remember, this is like the what the version that I have here. The one that I've been talking about is the one that I brought because it's pre Grimwatch, um, and this was at the Rift and Peak Skill. There were uh, six players: Gitz, Mala, Guard, Curse Breakers, and then Skaven. And I was the only one playing the Beastgrave Warband. Um, people don't trust that stuff around Peak Skill, I guess. I don't know what's the deal. Um, but, uh, did pretty good with them for, for the first two rounds. I'm not really going to talk about those, but, um, I really appreciate the games that I got, uh, from, uh, from uh, this guy, Andrew, who's, uh, who's, I didn't even realize was up there and, and he's in the meta. So I'll be seeing him a lot more. He was playing the gets and, uh, Joko, who's one of the, one of the, uh, employees of the rift was playing Molog. Um, but I'm going to move on. Cause I want to talk about the Skaven matchup that I had in the finals. And the Skaven it w- was piloted by a guy named Matt Cassidy. And I got to talk about this guy. And I told him I was going to talk about him. He's really good. And he just started playing like very end of Night Vault season, like like post um, Power Unbound. And he just picked it up and he just understood the game. Like total, I don't want to call him a savant because, uh, because I found out that what really happened was that he just played other games that are like very similar to Shadespire. So when he jumped into Shadespire, it was just like everything made sense to him. Um, he was really tough to play against. Really, really tough. And we had we we went to the we went the distance. We went three games. Um, he was playing Skaven that was very similar to the Festering Hungering Skaven. 
Um, but he had a couple of tweaks. Um, he knew exactly what he was doing. He won glass with it the day before at the Dragon's Lair. And then, uh, and that's in, uh, that's in Connecticut. And then he also won glass with it the next week up at the bolter hole in, um, in Massachusetts. And I'm really glad that he lives in Massachusetts, which means I don't have to see him that often, but I kind of do want to see him. <laughs> okay. And, uh, we're going to, we're going to play on Vassal. Um, we, we already talked about it anyway, but he's really good. Um, and he was just piloting it just like, like a pro and it was really tough to play against. And the only reason, um, so he won the first game. I won the second game. And the only reason why I won the third game was because he never drew up denial and denial is the perfect card to have against my particular version of the spoilers, because again, I play back. So he just has, so if he has denial, it's gonna be very hard for me to stop him. Um, and I, and I, I won because he denial was bottom decked. Um, and then also I had a really important defensive crit at the end of the game. Um, I think I just had my leader left and, um, and, and that's the only reason why, why I took it home. It was really, really tough games out of him. And, uh, I feel like I earned it. Um, so, so Matt Cassidy, big ups to you. Um, so just a uh, conclusion. Uh, what do you guys think? Do you think that the spoilers can make it to a grand clash and do well? Well, every time we say a war band's bad, they end up winning the. So maybe we should something. say they're bad just so that they have a chance. Okay. But we were, we were discussing this earlier and we all came to the conclusion that we thought that the despoilers may not be a top tier grand clash winning team, but they're definitely not bad. No. And not, they are a lot of fun to play. They're not works. Yeah. They're not, they're not terrible. They're a good uh, faction to learn the game with too. I yeah, think. You know, it's funny. Uh, one of my, one of my bros uh, in town here, uh, his name's Dylan Owens. He, he was probably the guy that really brought me in to Shadespire and really taught me how to paint. He is stuck with Blood Reavers uh, or Blood Ravers since the start of Shadespire. And he played his similar to how Jimmy did. Uh, And I realized something that in in a talented pilot, uh, this game is very much how good you are at this game. And you know what? Especially when you get to that top level, I want to say anyone can pilot just about any team and get some glass out of it. Uh, Yeah, I think the despoilers are good. I think they have a lot of great tools. We talked about how they have, uh, you know, they have kind of in between like a swarm and like a smaller one, you know, Um, they, uh, they have really great objectives and really great gambits. There's a few different ways that you can play them. Um, I think that if you have a really great pilot and, uh, and, you know, a little bit of luck, I think that that's kind of what you need for anything. I, I don't know if they're definitely not a, just, you know, like just sit behind the wheel and derp to derp, you're going to win. Um, you have to really work it. But, um, I think that, I, I think they have a very like low floor. So like, if you're, if you sit behind these spoilers and don't know what you're doing, you're going to score nothing. But I also think they have a decently high ceiling. Um, where if you do know what you're doing and you practice, I, I think you do very well. Um, I, I, it's a little matchup dependent as well. And it's also like, uh, you know, how, how you play them versus how your opponent plays them. But um, they're definitely not an autopilot thing. It's not like Malag when Malag dropped or Grimwatch now that everybody sees Grimwatch, which again, we'll talk about later. Um, I, I think that you have to really 
if you want to win a grand clash with the, with these guys, you have to really be practiced and really know what you're going to do against every single matchup. Yeah. Cause you're kind of, you know, you have a lot of guys, so it's, you can, they can get killed pretty easily by your opponent, but you really have to leverage that to your advantage with your, your deck, with your uh, objectives. And you need to make yeah. sure that people aren't coming into your territory and messing with your, your plan. I feel like very often if you're playing a warband that has a lot of moving pieces, it actually makes it harder to play just because there's so many things you could do. Like when you play Molog, you're just going to do shit with Molog. Yeah, there's a guy in front of me attacking him. Yeah. yeah. Curse breakers are largely the same thing. You know, I'm just going to throw a bunch of magic and then maybe hit you with something. Um, and I'm going to stay back and wait and score passively until you get here. So I, you know, the smaller war bands, it's kind of more obvious what you do with things. Uh, the larger war bands, which these guys are, it's a little less obvious. All right, let's come to our final segment. Uh, we call keys to salvation. And uh, Derek uh, is customary on the show that if we have a guest, that the guest gets to do the keys to salvation. You came with two of them and we'll allow it. Uh, so here we go. Keys to salvation. Derek, go for it. There. So the first one that uh, I want to say, if you're a competitive player, if you've gone to one or two grand clashes and there aren't a lot of people, because here's the big thing. As, as no one thinks, there are no Grand Clashes in Canada. Uh, I personally think that that's super heinous. But it means that uh, for the maybe half dozen guys in my area that have gone to Grand Clashes, there's probably 30 guys who haven't. Uh, and you get a choice. You get to either play your Grand Clash team each time and you can get... I don't know, you, you can get a, you know, one, two or three pieces of glass out there. And if you're the sort of guy that needs to polish their glass, if you need to always play that five on one with it, if you need several murder weapons, if you need to distribute free literature about your winnings, if you are the sort of guy that needs to use your glass as your pole, then you be that guy. But what I have always thought is that you will get better if you play a lot of different things and if a lot of people in your community win tournaments. And there are two big reasons for this. Uh, number one, if you're playing different things in those store tournaments, especially if you're getting out to, because uh, there are quarterly kits, if you're playing eight quarterly kits in those three months, play eight different things. Uh, it'll make you better because you not only need to know how you're going to play against the jank that shows up at a Grand Clash, but what's more, if you're actually in there, if you're feeling it, you'll actually understand how they think. So I am very happy with my three, three pieces of glass because at the end of the day, my gaming group has made me better. We, we actually have a saying, we call it Mithril Sharpens Mithril. Uh, because if you're practicing That's for a Grand Clash, reference, that's what that is, right? Is it? I think it is. They had mithril weapons. I remember that. All right, go ahead, keep going. So, what uh, what we figured out uh, in store tournaments, we want the community showing up. Uh, I'm I'm so incredibly lucky that the Calgary Union of Night Vault Tier One Shadespire homies 
has 20 to 30 people oh. in it. Uh, and we, we have some large tournaments uh, just for store glass because everybody comes out. Um, and then when I'm, I'm going to a Grand Clash or when Jesse's going to a Grand Clash or when Aaron's going to a Grand Clash or when Dave is going to a Grand Clash, uh, they'll throw up a flag. And if, uh, depending on our schedules, like so many times we've just gone to the local pub gone into a back corner, told the waitress, hey, can you keep bringing beer while we roll these board games? And they're fine with it. So find find your team that's going to make you better uh, and build your community with that store championship. And just play weird stuff. I'm, I'm going to have to agree with you on this. I think that uh, first of all, making sure that other people have a chance at that glass, like you're actually putting yourself as, like you might be the big fish in that pond. And just to like kind of back off needing to be like, be competitive, try to win, but try to win with crazy stuff. Absolutely. Um, and, and again, I think that the, the two points that you made, the idea that it keeps you sharp against jank, because now you have felt what it feels like to pilot that particular thing. You know, that's what your opponent is doing because you know, they're playing guard and you tried guard once in a competitive setting. So you understand how these guys move and what the, uh, what the um, constraints are and what the, uh, you know, the, the, the positives and negatives are. Um, I think that's great. And also, I also agree that, um, having other people have a chance to get glass keeps them more interested in the game. Um, we, we definitely have a couple people in our meta who, who won glass over us. Michael Stennett is a great example. And now he's like, Oh, first, first of all, he totally beat us. Like that yeah, definitely. Beat us fair and square. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to take it away from me. Let's he not take really that away. Yeah. You were playing thorns. I was playing bond sworn and he, uh, and he just beat us with curse breakers. Yeah. Just straight up. He um, cast it so, as a million spells. But but he's super over. into the game now. Yeah. Like he's not, you know. It's like th that's how you get people in. If people think that they're like in the game, they're they're in the group, they have a chance. You they're know, if they're well, they're more likely to do it. And you're right; that's going to make you better because now you're playing against higher quality opponents. So I, I agree 100 percent with everything you just said. Um, all right, and what's your what's your other one? Uh, so I, I actually call this the slumbering key to salvation. Okay. Oh, oh man. man. While, while you were talking, I just totally slammed that beer. Uh, I believe it. If, if you're like me, I, I travel a lot. I travel for work. I travel for rugby. Uh, I'm in a lot of different places. Uh, so this is going to be a lot of shout outs, but it's going to be something uh, that I want to say uh, in Calgary. Uh, again, I have one of the best teams I could ever ask for, the Calgary Union of Night Vault Tier 1 Shadespire Homies. Uh, the, the couple guys that I, I do want to message. Tier 1 Shadespire. Ew. Can you spell that out? How does that spell? Calgary C-U-N... Oh, boy. Okay. Forget it. <laughs> and, uh, Go ahead. You know, uh, I want to say hi to uh, Stad and Lil Stad and then Darcy and Sarah and Amanda, uh, to Matt and Pat and Alex and Bridget and Aaron and Cody and LaCrissa. Like, and I'm forgetting people. Oh, uh, Corey and the rest meta? of the guys from Evolution Gaming. Wait, are these all people in your meta? Yes. Yeah, you forgot Bony Bob with the gimpy leg. Oh, <sighs> crap. Wait, you said ladies' names in there. 
Uh, I absolutely did. Uh, and and you know what I'll say again. Uh, Lacrissa, who plays a ridiculous Molog, uh, really? Sarah, who plays really good Eyes of the Nine, uh, Manda, who has beaten me with her ghosts, uh, and and then Megan, who shows up with her Steel Heart champions that have sparkle paint on them, nice. and then every every you know, goddamn neckbird that she beats. Uh, like, you, you see those nerdy tears while well, uh, this, uh, these girls beat the crap out of these guys. So, yeah, see, I just, I, I, I personally am kind of always miffed whenever I go to a, a one and it's just, it's all dudes. Like, that's just what's going on in New York City. I don't think I've ever, I've only ever seen one, one woman playing this game, I think, when we go up to uh, West Hartford. And that's it. And and I think that, that uh, personally, I feel that that's a shame. But there I'm, a ton I'm, at Adepticon. I'm glad that it's more diverse up by you. A lot of ladies at Adepticon. None at Nova, oh, yeah. though. Not a single one. No, not a single one at Nova. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just personally, I, just the ones that I've walked into, I haven't I haven't seen it. And I think that that's a shame. Like, I I, I, th I think, you know, Shade Spires for the people. Come on. Let's go. Anyway, sorry. Keep going. <laughs> anyway, sorry. So, no, like, like I said, uh, yeah, I, I have an amazing uh, meta or an amazing team that I get to play with here. Uh, and then up in Edmonton, there's the Edmonton Union of Night Vault Underworlds Calgary Haters. Uh, <laughs> Is and that an acronym too? Because I'm, I'm trying really hard. Edmonton Union Night Vault Underworlds Calgary Haters. If anyone wants to spell that Munich, out. I got it. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, actually uh, Justin, Justin's group out in Victoria, they're the Shadespire experts. With an X. Oh, got it. Yeah. Of Victoria masters of Shadespire. I, I got this. I got the sex experts thing. The, the sex victims. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, no, and and there are good Canadians in your up there. Guys. That's crazy. Yeah, really. And and then uh, you know I, I want to say hi to my cousin Nathan and uh, Paris up, runs the Games Workshop store in Regina, Regina, Saskatchewan. Regina. Stop. <laughs> that's really what it's called. That, that's really the name. Of it. No. <laughs> no, and so and nobody check that. So hey, ju just what Regina actually means queen up here. No, it, I know it's it's uh, yeah no no yeah so no, it's, it's, no, it's like I, a Latin root. For, I, for I want to give yeah. a big shout out to to Paris. Uh, he runs that Regina store. It's one of those one man uh, Warhammer stores, sure. and I gotta tell you that that place is his child. He he puts in more work to uh, a store than I've seen out of anyone. Right. Uh, and so I, I threw up a flag and my cousin was there. So he was able to hook me up and their team now realize I've just done a bunch of acronyms. Their team name is men supporting men. And uh, you, you just can't mess with that stuff. And they, they, I showed up there with uh, what I thought was some pretty good stuff and getting ready for a grand clash. And they beat the crap out of me. Uh, so, this is the super ultra competitive thing. If you travel, show up a flag, throw up yeah. a flag to the local meta. You will meet some people that are playing some stuff that you have never heard of in your life. 
And the more that you do that, the better you'll be when you play your games. Uh, I'm going to say this to you. You will rather lose a game for a store championship than you want to lose that game to Tony Field and John Wayne Reese. And boy, you gentlemen, I'm coming back for you. <laughs> Vendetta. Yeah, no, I think that's a great idea. Um, I, I tried very hard when I went to Montreal last summer to find somebody, but it was uh, the, I found out that the game store was much further away than I thought. Um, I tried to find people in Italy, but apparently just people in the north of Italy play. Nobody in the south plays. And um, I know uh, Gerard from Battle Mallet is like in Sweden right now trying to get games with people. Um, there was this uh, French gentleman whose name I don't remember, Jean-Francois something, who came to Carcosa. And he was great. It was great to see him and meet him. Um, so, yeah, it, it's um, it, it's definitely a great idea. I agree. Good stuff. Okay, so did we do enough Canadian acronyms? <laughs> I, you know what? I, I can one? try and do a few more for you. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I, I invented Wubar, uh, so I mean, like, I'm I'm all about I'm all about the acronym. No, that's all right. Don't worry about it. Randall, did we do it? Did we make it? I think we did. I think we did. All right. So, so Derek, I had a lot of fun. I'm glad you're here. This was, oh, this was, this this was, was pretty good. The most annoyingly, like, just riffy version episode we've done so far. It's, it was very loose, but, but I love it. It was great. Thank you for coming on. Hey, thank you for having me, guys. Absolutely. All right. So, I guess uh, for Battle for Salvation, this is Max. I'm Randall. And we'll see you all next time.